Hi everyone, uh, James Prescott here and welcome to my new podcast. Um, some of you might know me from my blog, jamesprescott.co.uk. Um, others of you may not know me. Um, I want to say hello to all of you and welcome you here. I'm really, really excited about doing this podcast. It's something I've wanted to do for a while and I've been waiting for the right opportunity, the right ideas, um, the right message to get across and I finally come up with what I want to do. So I'm uh, starting up this podcast. I've got no idea what I'm doing. This is totally a new thing for me. And I'm just really excited because it's all risk and it's all new and it's all different. And I'm just looking forward to where it goes. And uh, yeah, so there's a few things that I want to explore in this podcast. I want to talk about identity and calling and creativity and spirituality and a whole load of other things. And uh, we're going to be talking to a few people. I've got loads of great interviews lined up for you. Uh, some writers, musicians, uh, speakers, teachers, really great people. Um, I'm really excited about all of this and I'm excited to share this with you. So um, we're just going to give it a go. I'm going to see where it goes. And I'm just, uh, yeah, and I'm, uh, if you want to find my work, it's at jamesprescott.co.uk. You'll find all my writing on my, on my books there. And... Uh, you can email me as well at james at jamesprescott.co.uk if you want to contact me. And you can tweet me on at jamesprescott77. So, uh, and if you contact me, I will I promise I will get back to you. And uh, it would be great to hear from you. So, uh, let's begin. Um, today, today's episode is called You Are Not Alone. And I thought I'd begin by just telling you a bit of my story. Because... A lot of you won't know me, you won't know my story, and um, you won't know, and it's, I think it's important that, you know, you know where I'm coming from, why I'm doing this, how I've got to this place, where I'm going, what I'm passionate about, and just to build relationship, and also because it's always good to share stories, because we always learn from hearing other people's stories, we always learn from sharing our own stories. And it's a good way of connecting and, you know, finding out that we are not alone. That actually, that all the things that we're going through in life, the, the struggles, the insecurities, the fears, the shames, the, you know, the, all, the, all the issues that we have, that we're actually we're not alone. And we need to hear that. So I'm just going to begin by telling you a bit of my story. And this podcast is going to be a bit about me sharing my story and my experiences and lessons that I've learned and hopefully giving them to you in a way which is practical and helpful for you and helps you grow and helps you move forward in your journey and encourages you. Um, I want to I give some practical stuff. I want to give some helpful stuff for you. Um, this, is, this isn't just about me navel-gazing. This is about you. This is about me using what I've been given to serve you, to bless you, um, to encourage you and challenge you and help you grow. That's what I'm really passionate about. I believe we're all called to share our gifts with other people, pour out our gifts for the, for the good of others, uh, and that's what I'm trying to do. So, yeah, let's just begin with my story, and uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. And uh, so, um, I, was, I was brought up in uh, a Christian home. I grew up in a little town called Epsom in Surrey, which is near London, and uh, yeah, my life was pretty good. Uh, first eight years of my life were pretty... Uh, happy, non-eventful, <laughs> non-disrupted, and um, 
things were really great. But then my mum had an asthma attack, which gave her brain damage, um, her, damaged her short-term memory, and that was a significant event in my life and in my family's life because um, she changed. She became a different person in many ways, and it put a lot more strain on my dad to carry the family emotionally and financially and in many ways. And so ultimately it ended up tearing apart my parents' marriage. My teenage years were pretty much hell on earth for me. Um, quite a shy, sensitive person, <laughs> as you'll find out over the coming weeks. And I was easily bullied and I was mentally bullied every day at school as a teenager. It was horrible. I hated it. I hated going to school and I'd get home and my parents would be fighting and I'd have to break up those fights. So I had no one to talk to about any of these things that I was going through, all this emotional and mental turmoil, all this self-hatred that I was feeling. And this is when I turned to prayer. Um, I, 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 I literally one day just started praying in my bed before I went to sleep and it was my, I just started doing it every day. And it was the only place that I could talk to anybody about what I was going through. And in that place, I found a deep connection with God. I was able to be honest with God without the crap, without the bullshit that we put in front of it, with all the jargon that we put in front of prayer all the time. I was just br brutally honest with God about how I felt, about what I was going through. And prayer became like an ongoing conversation with God. And that's what my prayer life is like now. It's like a conversation with God. It's not formal. It's not jargony. I just talk to God about what's going on, about what I'm concerned about, about how I feel, about what I, you know, what, what's going on in my life. And just as I'm talking to a, a, a friend or a, a therapist or a counsellor, I just talk to him like that. And, um, and it's amazing because it was a really difficult time in my life, but it actually ended up being a really positive thing in my spiritual life. It brought me closer to God. It gave me a greater intimacy with God. It's amazing how those things happen, isn't it? Have you ever had... You, We've all suffered. We've all gone through difficult stuff. None of us are alone in that, I don't think. Have you ever found that it's the times that when you suffered the most, the things, the times when things have been most difficult, that you've actually felt closer to God than, than when things are good and happy and, and everything's fine? And that those times are the most honest times. Those, you see, those kind of experiences kind of shift us, don't they? they the ground shifts and we can't go back. We know nothing's ever going to be the same. You're not alone in that. If you're going through that right now, you're not alone in that. Many of us have been through that. So, so I went to university and that was great. I had a really great time at university, made some good friends, had a great time with God. Um, a lot of the, lot of the uh, supernatural kind of falling on the floor, prayer ministry, a ministry of the Holy Spirit stuff happened to me there, and it was it was a really great time. And, I, and again, I grew in prayer, I grew in relationship with God, and it was it was a really good time. And my faith back then was a lot about certainty. It wasn't about uncertainty. It was 
very much this is what you're meant to believe just you don't question it you don't doubt it you just this is what you believe and that's the end of it kind of thing and I was okay with that at the time but a couple of years after I left university my mum died she had another asthma attack and she died and my parents had, had long since they'd broken up um, they're divorced but they'd become friends again and had a healthy relationship by then um, but my mum, yeah, my mum died. I got. I remember the remember the phone call that I got. Twenty ninth of April, two thousand, seven o'clock and seven thirty in the morning. My dad phoned me up, and just said, "Your mum's passed away." And um, those of you who've lost a loved one know exactly what that feels like. Um, it was just. Uh, I was on autopilot for about 10 days. I was just numb. I just numbed everything. I just got on with things and dealing with the practicalities of things. I didn't cry for 10 days. And even when I did cry, I apologised for crying. And of course we all know that it's perfectly understandable to cry when somebody dies. Especially when it's your mother. And um, But again, the ground shifted. You know, suddenly all the certainty that I'd had just was completely undermined and gone it was like well this doesn't make sense this how did this happen you know I, I i can't be certain of everything anymore i have to question i have to doubt i have to explore I, I have to find out why i have to try and understand because again that's what suffering does it, it shifts the ground we're, we're, we're moving on it, it you know we can't you can't you can't stay as you were any traumatic event it doesn't have to be suffering but any kind of major event in our life it shifts us forward in the way that we can't go back and we have to find, figure out where we are we have to figure out what's happening we have to figure out what it looks like what you know what we have to try and understand in a new way and that's challenging and that's scary but it's also a really really great opportunity to grow and to learn and to discover new ideas and to, to go deeper with God and to go deeper into ourselves and discover who we really are. And that's what happened to me. A couple of years later, I read a book called Velvet Elvis. And I remember buying this book and I sat in my tent at the conference, the camp that I was at, and I read it in two hours. And I'd never read a book in two hours. I'd never read a book from cover to cover in one go. And I, that's what I did. Because I couldn't put this thing down. It changed everything. It was, it was almost a traumatic experience in itself. But it kind of played on all these questions and doubts and uncertainties that I'd had. And it was like, oh, you're allowed to do this. This is not unusual. This is a good thing. This is how you grow. You know, that you, you can doubt, that you can question, that you can explore, that, you, that there, there can be mystery and unknown and unseen and unexplained when it comes to God. And that actually, that's a good thing. I mean, have any of you had this underlying feeling that, that all the things that you've, you've, you've held on to for, the whole, for your whole of your life, all the certainties that you've had, that suddenly they don't make sense anymore and that you have to go somewhere different but you're scared to because you think you're the only one, you're the only 
person that's feeling this stuff. Well, you're not. There's many of us that are going through, that have been through this. And we don't need to be afraid to explore it because we're not alone. We're all on a journey. I know that's a cheesy phrase, journey, yeah, we're all on a journey, but we are, you know, our lives are stories. And if we're not growing, if we're not exploring, if we're not questioning, if we're not doubting, if, we're, if there isn't any mystery or uncertainty or risk, then we're not growing, we're just staying still. Now some people want to stay still, some people like the certainty, they like to stay where they are because it's comfortable and it's easy. And even for those people who've already experienced the uncertainty and the doubt and the questioning, it's easy to retreat back into certainty. I've done that occasionally, you know, I've wanted to do that, but I've known that I can't do that anymore. That I've come to a place where I just can't do that. That I, that the, the, the uncertainty and the doubt and the questioning and the mystery is better. Because it opens you up to new possibilities. So... Again, I just want to say, if you're in that place where you know that you that everything you've been certain about is not certain anymore, that you're not alone. And it's okay to be in that place. It's okay to want to question. It's okay to want to not know all the answers. It's okay to are scary and challenging and uncomfortable questions. And it's okay to not be able to rationalise or explain everything. And to not have it all together and all sorted. Because you know what? None of us does. We're all really good actors. We all give off the impression to, to the world that we have it all together because we think that's what we're meant to do. And the people who don't give off that impression look like messes and they look, they're the ones that look all insecure and afraid and and don't have their lives together and that you know we can't give them any responsibility and we you know we can't really trust them and they're a bit they're a bit strange and they make us feel uncomfortable but actually they're the people who are actually engaging with growth they're the people who are actually confronting the truth of what's going on inside of them they're not trying to hide like a lot of us do and we all do it i do it everyone you know we all even the people no matter who we are where we're, what we're doing we all try and cover it up because we all think we've got to give off this impression that we've got it all together because if we don't well we're terrified of what might, what what other people might think of us because we're so worried about other people's perceptions of us and what and culture has this kind of this way of conditioning us to think that we have to have it all together or at least give off that appearance because if we don't then um, well then we're kind of a mess and people don't you know and it's and it, it's uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable because it's confronting the truth because it's being vulnerable Brené Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and I love what she's done about it if you, you know if you haven't heard of Brené Brown find her on Amazon and just buy all her books because she's awesome and watch those, watch her TED Talks, watch her, you know, they're on YouTube. She talks about how we live in a culture of fear. You know, and I'm totally with her on this. Since 9-11, since the economic crash, we've lived in a culture of fear and governments have played on this. And they've been, and it's stifled everything. It's stifled our creativity, it's stifled innovation. And it stopped us living meaningful life because we're afraid. It stopped us being vulnerable. And vulnerability is where growth begins. Vulnerability and grace, which are kind of almost the same thing in a way, because they're, 
both about knowing that we're enough as we are, knowing that we belong as we are, that we're loved unconditionally and accepted as we are in all our insecurities and fears and doubts and, and failures and um, addictions and mistakes and regrets and all of that. We are, we are enough there. That we don't have to earn our value by what we do or by our relationships or anything else that we are enough and when you're in that place there's no fear and you can be completely honest about who you are and that's the key to growth and it's the key to creativity and innovation in all areas of life so it's okay to be in that place and you're not alone in being in that place and don't be afraid to speak out if you are in that place and to share what's going on with other people, because we all need to hear it. You're not alone. So, yeah, I, I joined a new church after this reading this book, and it was a great church because it was a church that was open to all of this stuff that I was going through. It was open to questioning, exploring, and mystery, and the unknown. And we have a pastor who was and is still always blunt and honest and upfront about his own story about what he's going through and who knew his stuff as well he was really really gifted theologically knows all the theology stuff really intelligent but also very vulnerable and challenged me to take responsibility for my faith and my life which i hadn't had before from a from a church and so I started to go on this kind of inner journey and started to grow and go deeper into the inner self. I went to a couple of, we did a couple of pilgrimages to a monastery. And I remember going there and it was just this, we, 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 we parked and everything. I mean, and, I could, and the monastery was kind of on a hill and you could see out over all these fields and like there were towns somewhere like, somewhere off in the distance and it was quite high up and you could you could literally hear the silence it was so silent it was so quiet and disconnected from everything yet connected to everything it was almost you could hear like you could hear the spirit of god there just there this kind of peace this kind of serenity, this intimacy, this presence of something that was other. Because they created this space where that could happen, where he could come in, where God could come in and do that. And it was, it was palpable, it was amazing. And there was this prayer garden and, and I sat in this prayer garden and just, it was just what, just noticing nature. There was this pond and there were all these, there was, there, was, there was like insect life and fishes in the in the pond and there was and there was like grassy stuff and trees hanging over it and it was just you just noticed all these things that you hadn't noticed before because you haven't been paying attention and because you had so many distractions and it was amazing and i think we all need to find that we can find that we can find that in the silence of our living rooms we turn everything off. Turn off your phone, turn off your laptop, turn off your TV, everything. 
and just stop and just allow ourselves to listen to the silence and to let the divine interact with us. And it's scary because, again, you find out more about your inner self and sometimes you find things there that you don't like, but actually, again, it's the key to growth. It's where it all begins. Now, during between my mum dying and me joining this new church, I'd gone on a gap year with, with an organisation called Youth With A Mission. And during that year, I had be doing a discipleship course and part of that discipleship course was writing essays and bible studies and this kind of thing and the people who were mentoring me my leaders um came up to me during that year and said look james you've got a really you've got a gift of writing you've got you need to develop this this is really really important you need to work on this because there's a you've got a gift here you know and i'd always loved writing i'd always loved uh, creating, I'd always, you know, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like English literature, English language. They were my favourite subjects at school, and art. I like doing art. I like doing drawings, and um, and now, you know, and I kind of ignored that really. I hadn't really explored that kind of gift at all. I had I'd kind of left it aside in many ways. But now there were these people saying, you know, you've got this gift. You need to develop it. You need to work at it. You need to invest in it. You need to put yourself out there and do it. So I started. So I started a blog, and um, I started writing. It was. I didn't realize then how big a thing in my life this would be. I thought it was at, the, at that time. At that point, it was just a hobby. And um, you know, the next few years, I started writing more and more and more. And I kind of, I wanted to write a book. I wanted to publish stuff. I wanted to have more people reading my work and sharing it with more people, but I just didn't think that would be possible, you know. So in 2010, I, um, I decided I need to get serious about this. So I got some writing coaching from um, Vicky Beeching, who is a, um, used to be a worship leader and is now a broadcaster and speaker and um, LGBT advocate and... Um, we did some one-to-one coaching for a few months and it gave me the kick up the backside that I needed to be more professional with my writing. I got my own domain name, I, I got a professionally designed website and I started doing this thing more seriously. The only problem with this was that at the time I was still very hurt and very insecure and damaged by my past, by the bullies that had hurt me so badly and by what had happened to me with my parents and my mum. And there was still a part of me, this ego, and you know what, it's still there sometimes, I'll be honest, but there was this part of me that wanted to be better than everybody else, that wanted to be more important than everybody else, that thought I was entitled to be above everybody else. So like to be famous, to be rich, to be popular, to be... You know, to have all the great things in life that I was just entitled to them. There was something in me that was saying that, and I knew that it that, that wasn't right. But there was I, I didn't want to listen to that because because it was just a comfort thing for me. It was what it was like. This is the only way I can rationalise my suffering is that I get some compensation for it, and they get and the, the people who hurt me get what they deserve by me being better than them. And 
the problem was that this played into my writing and um, it was very, very subtle at first. But the more professional that I got and the more opportunities that I got to share my work with more people, the more power it had over me. I, I, 2012, I think it was, that I did this course called Tribrighters with a guy called Jeff Goins who some of you might have heard of. Um, he's a, a, a friend and a, a great writer and, a, um, and he made a huge difference to my life. And again, it was another step up in terms of being professional. I, I, I wrote an ebook and I published it on my blog and um, I, I improved my blog again and I took my writing much more seriously and my subscriber list increased. Um, not by massive amounts, but you know, much more than I'd had before. And there were these promises that I'd been reading about, if you do this, then this will happen. And I didn't get the success that I expected. I had huge expectations, way too big, massive. Just like, you know, I thought I was going to become a bestseller overnight, you know, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. But that's what I was thinking. And, um, and when I failed, it was a big come down. And, well, I failed, I failed in my own eyes anyway. And, but fortunately, I'd made some really good friends over this time. During this, doing this course, I'd made some really close friends. Um, and we'd, we'd formed our own Facebook group. There were just a, five or six of us. So I'm still in this group now. And um, I went to these guys and said, look, this has happened. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and they said, look, James, you know, you, your writing has gone downhill in the last year or so. It's just not been the same. And I realised then that they were right. I realised that I had let my ego get in the way of my creativity. That, that my creativity had been stifled by my ego and by impossible expectations and by putting my identity and my security in what I did and in numbers and in stats and in money rather than just me being enough. You know, because our identity comes not from what we do, from who it's from who we are. You are enough as you are right now. You were enough the day you were born when you've done nothing. <laughs> we all have infinite value and worth as we are. We all belong as we are. We are all accepted. We all are precious as we are. We are all enough. And we don't have to prove ourselves to anybody. And this is what I was learning. This is what I, I began to understand that, you know, I, you know, that I don't have to prove myself. That if I don't put my security in the right place, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to succeed. I'm never going to do my best work. My writing's never going to be what it can be if I keep putting my security in numbers and stats and secure and and money and and success and impossible expectations so i took a break 
I didn't publish anything publicly for three months. And instead, I just free wrote every day. I just got on my phone every day and did some free writing. Just whatever was inside was going to come out. I did that pretty much every day. And it was, it was the most liberating, freeing, creative season of my life. It was just so... It was such a relief not to have to write anything for anybody. It was such a relief not to have to publish anything. Not to have to think what other people were thinking, but just to write what I really felt. And just let my subconscious write. I, I, I'm convinced that free writing or free creating, like, you know, because you can do this with drawing as well, just close your eyes and hold a pencil and just see what comes out. It's the way that we unlock what's really going on inside of us. It's the way that we unlock the message that we have to share, what we're really passionate about, about the ache, the creative ache that's inside of us, the things that we, we know we have to make or we're going to spontaneously combust. That's how we unlock it. And that kind of, that period unlocked a lot of stuff for me, a lot of things about identity, about security, about authenticity. Um, linked with creativity and with life, you know, and, and out of that time was birthed a really fruitful season of creativity. I just kept writing and writing and writing. I had loads of blog posts, and um, an ebook came out of that, which was probably my best ebook that I'd done, and which did re- which has done really really well. Um, and I I just loved doing that. It was just such a great time. I almost didn't want to go back to public writing again because I just was enjoying this time so much but I knew that I had to because ultimately I knew that my gift of writing had been given to me not for my own benefit but for the benefit of others and I had a responsibility to share what I was learning with other people um, and that season away had been really good and was really fruitful and was really important and those periods in our lives really are when we take a break from everything and disconnect and we just go inside ourselves and find out what's going on but then there needs to be a response. We need to then take that and pour that out into the world and use it to help other people. And so that's what I did. And I found my voice. I found, I found myself. And I got better as a writer. My writing improved 100, like 100 a million percent, you know. And I started to love writing again. And it was just this amazing time. And... I don't know how many of you are writers or, or artists or whatever, but I think I, I think this principle applies to all of us, no matter what work we do, that you need to take a time away and you just need to allow yourself to express what's inside of you somehow, whether that's journaling or whether that's just drawing, creating of some kind. The way we go to our most vulnerable place and express that is often through kind of some kind of artistic endeavour. And you don't have to be... A, you don't have to be a professional artist or professional writer or anything to do this. You can do this and nobody ever has to see it. But often it's, it's doing and doing that kind of thing that you discover what you really care about and what you really want to do and what you're really here for. And that can be whether that can be being a doctor, it can be being a scientist, it can be being anything. But you see, creativity is the secret to not just to creating great art but also to real change in the world scientific discoveries are all about 
creativity and imagination. We creativity is the secret to growth and culture cultural shifts and moving forward as as the human race. We need to we need to be creative. We need to imagine new possibilities. And to do that, we need to unlock what's really going on inside of us. We need to open ourselves up to new ideas. And this goes back again to the stuff with doubt and questioning and uncertainty. But you need to open yourself up to what's going on. And you need to be honest about who you are. You need to be vulnerable. And this is, this is how we move forward, not just as individuals, but as community. As, and I'm just really, really passionate about that. And I want to see more people doing that. And that's one of the reasons I do what I do, is to help people do that. Because I really care about that. And this is what was happening to me. And I was, um, and I was moving forward, and it was a really exciting time. And it still is. You know, I'm still doing this stuff. I'm still at the beginning of exploring this stuff and finding ways to share it with people. And I'm, this is one of the things that I'm doing to help do that. And I've got other ideas of things that I want to create to help other people going through the same experience as I had. And to help, you know, my, my, one of my big passions is to help people discover their identity and their calling and to have their security grounded in the right place, to know that they're enough as they are and then to go on the journey of creativity and discovery and finding your purpose and your calling. And that's what I really want to do. And that's what I'm going to spend my life doing. That's, you know, I, I just, I know it. I know that's what I'm called to do. And um, I know that if other people go, and go through the same process that I did, that they can, they can discover that too. I, I really believe that. So, yeah, so this is kind of, this brings me up to kind of earlier this year and I went to a two-day event with Rob Bell who's like one of my biggest inspirations spiritually, creativity, uh, in every kind of area of my life he's just been this massive inspiration and continues to be and um, I would advise you again read everything he has written, watch everything he has put on YouTube, he's amazing really. Uh, listen to his podcast. It's just the best podcast, apart from this one, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, um, but th- th- this was this was a really significant moment. It was the kind of one of those traumatic event kind of things, but in a really good way. Rob talked about astrophysics, um, atomic science, the science of the universe. And he talked about this thing called spiral dynamics, which is a theory about human consciousness. About the different stages of human consciousness. And I'll talk about this more in a, in a future podcast because it's a really fascinating concept. And I think it's really important that we all understand it because it can help us grow and it help us can see, see the world and see our relationships and other people and everything in new ways. And it's just fascinating. Different stages of human consciousness through history and in our own lives, and different people at different places in consciousness, and it's just, wow, you're just gonna, it's just gonna blow your mind when you hear about it, look it up, google it, it's fantastic, it's phenomenal, it will change everything for you, and hearing about the science of the universe, and the bigness of the universe, and the smallness of the universe, and how how atoms that make up me used to be part of something else and maybe somebody else or maybe another planet and 
and how parts of you maybe needs to be parts of me or you see parts of something else. And the relationship, the universe at its core is a relationship of energy and that it's always expanding and that it maybe began with some kind of singular consciousness that scientists are actually starting to, the odds of human life and intelligent life existing are so small that the scientists are actually starting to think there might have been some kind of intelligent design or some consciousness behind it. And talking about the Bible is not one book, but actually a library of books, because the word Bible means library, and it's a collection of books telling the story of human consciousness and interactions with God through history. And this was just blue. I'm not really talking about it or articulating it very well, but it blew my mind. Like the ground shifted again, and I knew I couldn't go back. And I couldn't really articulate it for ages, and I still really can't articulate it. I'm still coming to terms with it, but it shifted everything again. I saw that everything is connected. That, you know, all this stuff I've talked about with my writing, the, you know, the creativity, the identity, the where we ground our being, the grace stuff. And the science of the universe and atomic science and uh, human consciousness, spiral dynamics. It's all connected. Everything is connected and we are all connected. But there's this bigger story going on that there's so much more than we could ever, un that we understand or know. You know, and it blew my mind. It was just, you know, this... This whole idea of mystery and uncertainty and doubt and questioning, and it just made that take on a whole new level. It just expanded that to a whole new level that I hadn't even realised. And my view of God got so much bigger, and I began to see God in everything, all yeah, you know, literally in in the universe, in science, in nature, in just everywhere everything and everywhere i was more and more conscious of of the divine presence in everything and everything is an expression of the divine creativity and that we are all interconnected we're all connected to god we're connected to each other you know that everything we do impacts something impacts the world in some way and that we're all here to make a difference in this world we're all here to have a positive impact in this world because what we do even if only one person is impacted by it, that's more than zero. And I realised that I had to share this with people, that I had to open people's eyes to this. And this is a this is a phenomenal thing. It's and I've realised that there are a lot of people who went on the same journey as me. I found a community, I connected with people on social media and on Facebook who are going on this same journey, who are learning all these new things about the universe, about science, about consciousness, about creativity, identity, and who often feel alone because not everyone is in, is in that place. Human consciousness culture as a whole is not generally in that place because we're run by fear. But I found again that I was not alone on this journey, that I, that there are many, many of us. And we need to know we're not alone. It's the fundamental 
truth at the core of humanity, we need to know we're not alone. And we are not alone. You are not alone. You might feel like you're alone, that you're the only one going through what you're going through, but you're not. I can tell you, you're not alone. And Rod told this story about a woman whose whose son had just died from cancer, brain cancer. And she was like, how do I deal with this? What, what do I do? How can I process this? How does this fit with God? What, what can I do? And Rob said to her that one day you'll meet somebody, another mother, who, whose son has cancer. And you'll be able to go and sit with them, alongside them, and just say, you're not alone. And that, and that will be so empowering. And what happened was that there was a woman who got up and walked over to this other woman and said, my son's just been diagnosed with brain cancer. And they embraced and there were tears and it was just this amazing, amazing thing because suddenly this woman realised that she's not alone. And that made her feel so much better. That It was so life-giving and healing and didn't make the pain any, any less real. But, it, but knowing you're not alone makes such a, such a huge difference. Because you know that it's not just you. That there's someone else who understands. There's someone else who can be there for you. There's someone else who can support you. For example, I had a friend, a couple of friends actually, who lost parents last year. And one of them, um, after their mum passed away, messaged me on Facebook and just venting, saying, all these people are saying all these nice things to me and... I just don't want to know. I just, this is just, I can't deal with this. This is, I I just want to scream. You know, this is, I think they're helping, but actually they're not helping. And I'll just always say, yeah, (laughs) I know exactly what you feel. Because, and those of you who've lost a parent will know this. When somebody comes up to you and you've just lost someone and they tell you that, oh, it's, don't worry, she's in heaven, it's all going to be okay. Um, Oh, this must be really hard for you. And it's just like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know this. I want to scream. I want. I want. I don't want them to be in heaven. I want them back. And she knew that I knew that I understood that. And and I was able to help her. I was able to encourage her and support her and just say, "You're not alone." And the other person who lost their parent, I just when they, I remember when their mum died, I texted them and said, "I'm here if you need me. I'm really, really sorry." I'm sending all my love and sympathies. If you need me, I'm here. Just let me know. And yeah, they didn't. They didn't contact me, but it was that, that it didn't matter because I spoke to them later, and they said that, that was that was that was enough. That's what they needed to hear, just to know that I was there if they needed me. And when I reflected on these two things, I, I realised I was getting some healing for for what had happened to me. 
for many, many years, I had wondered why these things had happened to me, why I'd been through this stuff with my mum, why my mum had died. And when I reflected on this, I felt this warm feeling in my heart, this, this peace in me, and this voice saying, that's why. And I was in tears, you know, it was, and it's like, wow, I was, I was able to use what I'd been through to help someone else who's going through the same thing. And in the process, I realised that I wasn't alone. And in the process, I got healing as well. And that's what it's about. That's what this podcast is going to be about in many ways. It's going to be about sharing my story, sharing what lessons I've learned, and offering some encouragement and some hope to you. That's what I want to do. That's, that's what I care about. I want to use what I've been given to serve you, to bless you, to, um, to add value to your life, to help you grow, to meet, to somehow give you hope and to let you know that you're not alone. None of us are alone. Whatever part of life you're going through, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a writer or not, whatever, whatever you, whoever you are, whatever you're going through, wherever you're, you are in life, you are not alone. You really aren't. And you are precious and you are special and you are valued and you are beautiful. You are a precious gift that's, got, that's been given to the world. You belong. You matter. You are enough as you are. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to achieve anything. You are enough as you are. Ground your security there that you're enough just as you are. That's where it all begins. That's, that's the that's, that's the secret to, to growth and to creativity and innovation and discovering and healing and discovering new stories for your life and just knowing that you're enough as you are, that you don't have to prove yourself. It's just so, so important. And I want you to know that you're not alone. If you're feeling alone today and you need and you haven't got no one that you can talk to, that no one you can share with, no one you can vent to, I really want to encourage you. Email me. If you've got no one else, email me. James at jamesprescott.co.uk Because we all need to know we're not alone and I guarantee you that there'll be someone out there who has been through and is going through what you're going through. And I may not be, and if, if, if you email me, I may not be able to give you all the answers, but I'll stand with you and I will pray for you and I will just, and, and, you know, I just want all of us to know we're not alone. So today, I hope, that's me sharing my story has been helpful for you. I hope that it's shown you that you're not alone. I hope that it's resonated with, with you a little bit. I hope it's given encouragement and support to you. We're all living our lives. We all have to cope with the day-to-day -day mundane stuff. 
And that's difficult and challenging and frustrating. And we all have insecurities and fears and doubts. None of us have it all together. None of us are perfect. None of us get it right all the time. And no matter, and no matter what you think of people that you see on TV or people that you read or whatever, they don't have it all together either. They are just as insecure and afraid as you are. None of us are, none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. But the thing is that we're not alone in this. And that, you, we, and that we are all enough as we are. So just, that's, my, that's my prayer for you today, that you would know that you are enough. And that you ground your identity and security just in the fact that you are enough as you are. That you exist is enough. That you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to achieve anything to be valuable. That you are valuable and precious as you are right now. So that's the end of the first James Talks. And we'll talk again next week. Take care.